All right, good morning. Good morning and good morning to each and every one of you. You may be seated. Thank you so much for being here today. I want to welcome our 1132 worldwide audience. Can you give it up for these guys who are logging on right now? I know we have a number of people from all over the world, but we have a number of our own people who are on vacation and who are there at the beach while we're serving Jesus. So there we go. Um, hey, I'm, gonna, I'm doing an audible here, so can y'all put the generosity slide up here in just a minute? I, I, I would appreciate it. Not that we're going to take an offering again right now, but I just want to throw it up there. Uh, so glad that each and every one of you are here. And uh, who knows what today is? It's 7-Eleven. It's Slurpee Day, right? Free Slurpee Day? Isn't that right? Have you ever gone to get one on 7-Eleven? I tried once. I think it might have been with Sarah. And, uh, I try, and we go, and the parking lot is literally full. You got people coming out with those free Slurpees. I'm like, sweetie, I'll go pay full price, okay, at Dairy Queen, okay, so we don't have to do that. So happy 7-Eleven to you today. So can, can you put that slide up for me or not, or is that an impossibility? So my wife wasn't able to be here today, but here she is. <laughs> so y'all say hi to Lisa. Really nice hair, I tell you. She's good on the other side, too. She really is. Lisa, uh, Sarah just said, I think that's mom. I'm like, don't y'all think that's Lisa? I think it is. If it's not, it's somebody who looks like my wife. So there we go. So honored. Trying to keep you awake here. Got to get it going. Huh? Well, I'm so grateful to be able to, to uh, preach in pastors, Pastor Dustin Stead and his pulpit here. And I'm grateful for him to be able to minister in, in Orange County at Mark's Church and and I know that the uh, power of God is going to flow there. And we're believing that God's going to do phenomenal things here as well. So grateful to have a pastor like we have. My dad has been a churchman all his life and has been in leadership all his life, chairman of boards all, all through the church. And, and one of the things he taught me is that there are three characteristics that you want to look for in a pastor. And you'll have a, 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 someone who's a really good preacher, somebody who's really a good pastor that loves his people, and somebody... And somebody who's a good administrator, a leader. And he says, if you can get two of those, you've got a really good pastor. I want you to know we have all three of those in our pastor. And so, so very grateful for Pastor Dustin. Please do not forget to pray for Pastor and Jamie and their family. I promise you they need it and they covet your prayers. Um, we want to give honor where honor's due today. And uh, I do want to uh, point someone out. This is my dear friend, okay? This is um, Sarah. Sarah, will you please stand up? This is Sarah Kent. This is Donna Kent's daughter. And uh, Sarah is a true MVP of our church. She literally was the first baby, okay, in our nursery 27 years ago. 27 and a half years. She was the first baby. She's never left. She's been, she has been a part of our congregation. She has served. She's, she has participated. She's ministered. She has been so faithful. And today, it won't be her last Sunday, but she is moving to Nashville. And she's, and she's uh, going to, to Vanderbilt University to get her master's in education. And so can y'all give it up for my dear friend, my dear sister, a true MVP of the church, Sarah Kent. We love you, girl. We're so proud of you. God's got great plans for you. And she's single, too. You have to come talk to me, though, first. We don't just give them away like that, all right? Not that easy. Well, I have some good news and I have some bad news today. Who wants some good news? 
I'm all about good news first. Are you good with that? Okay. And if we don't have time for the bad news, that's all right. We won't do the bad news. The good news is that the God is advancing his kingdom. His kingdom is advancing right now. Here's the good news. The good news is we win. Okay. Do you need to understand? We win. In the end, we win. I, I remember a few years ago, my son and I were he's so excited about a UFC fight. Okay. It was a championship fight. Yeah, no judgment, please. And so, and so we were excited. One of our favorite guys against one of our least favorite guys. And so we were wound up. We were excited about it. And so we went to a friend of ours house and we were there and, and they had to pause it just a little bit just to make sure somebody came in. And so we were able to watch all the undercard and then man we were ready for the main event so nervous so uptight I don't know man after the first round I mean my heart is like this I got high blood pressure you know and I'm watching my son who is usually right there with me he's totally relaxed just nothing just relaxed second round I'm wound up and I'm looking I'm like Oh, he's already looked at his Twitter feed. He knows we, the, our guy won in the third round of the TKO. And so he knew in advance he cheated. But this is the, totally cheated, totally. There, I, but I realize there's nothing more comforting than knowing the outcome in advance. We know the outcome. We know the end of the chapter. We know the end of the Bible. We know the end of the story. We win. You know, so the good news is we win. I want to give you some more good news. Fred Markert, who has been with YWAM for over 40 years, he leads the Youth of the Mission Network Strategy Initiatives Division. He's got a whole team, and uh, he is unbelievably learned. Very smart guy, very much a researcher, and he has, he has studied and read over a thousand books on cultures and civilizations, their rise and their fall. He's traveled and ministered to over 150 nations. Uh, he and his team, they gather real-time statistics on the status of the global church. And here are some mind-blowing statistics that they've given to us. The first one is 97% of all the countries in the world the church is growing faster than the population rate. It's amazing. There's 175 countries, okay, where Christianity is growing faster than the popula population rate. Only 20 that are not. In the last 40 years, okay, the global church has more than doubled. And in all his research, he, he will say there's not one religion on the face of this planet ever that has grown that fast in that amount of time. Christianity is growing three times, okay, faster than the world's population. Every day there are more than 178,000 people coming to know Jesus worldwide. Every day, 28,000 people in, the, in, uh, in the communist China. Every day, 28,000 people in communist China are being saved. 20,000 every day in Africa. 35,000 every day in Latin America. Christianity is, is the fastest growing religion in the world by far at 6.9% rate of growth. Compared to Islam at 2.7, Hinduism 2.2, and Buddhist at 1.7. In 1991, atheists were 4.4 percent. Okay, in 2025, it's going way going to be it's going to be way down to 1.6. But you know what? Atheism ain't got nothing to give us anyway, right? 
They got nothing to offer. Nothing. Like, what do you, nothing? What do you say? Nothing? Okay, well, your numbers are going down. There we go. So we see the church is growing, but not only is the church growing in numbers, but the church is growing in power. And he's done studies about the spirit-filled church, more the charismatic persuasion of a church, a church that believes in the gifts of the spirit and the, the power of the Holy Spirit. And he says in 1970, there were 60, 63 million uh, charismatic type who would co consider themselves charismatic Christians worldwide, 63 million. So about 40, 45 years later, in 2014, 710. That number had gone from 63 million to 710 million Christians who are not just born again, but are spirit-filled, believing, charismatic, seeking the gifts and the power of God. In 2020, the Spirit-Filled Expression Church has made up 75% of all the church worldwide. So the church is growing. The church is more powerful than ever. And it reminds me of Isaiah chapter 9, the prophetic passage in verse 7. There shall be no end to the increase of his kingdom. There shall be no end to the increase of his kingdom. I love that passage because no matter what bad day we have, what bad year we have, what bad month we have, what bad decade we have, the church of God is ever advancing. The kingdom of God is ever advancing. I, I'm going to show you just a real short little video clip here, and it's going to describe and it's going to give you a picture of the church advancing. The church is shaded in white. And so you'll see it's a map of the world and you'll see the church growing. One of the things that you need to understand, the church is ever increasing. But there are times as the church grows, then there will be some contraction. Then it will grow larger. Then it will contract. Then it will grow larger. Does that make sense? And so there are times where it does contract. And so you will see different other colors like... Uh, uh, communism uh, in Russia, the Soviet Union will be in red. The Mongolian Empire, I think, will be in green. You'll see some others that will pop up, and it's interesting to see the kingdoms, how they come, and then how they go, and how you'll see the, the white, the church, growing. Take a look at this. The time lapse at the top left. It's the Roman Empire in the pink. church at Manson. We're at a thousand AD right now.
pretty powerful, isn't it? It gives you a picture. There's no end to the increase of his kingdom. I'm reminded of the song. I'm not going to break out in song right now, so you don't have to worry about that. Kings and kingdoms will all pass away, but there's something about that name. Kings and kingdoms will all pass away. There's something about that name. I think about you know, the different kings that have come and gone, kingdoms that have come and gone, tyrants, dictators, political ideology. All have come and they've all gone, but the word of the Lord has stood forever. And so we have good news to tell. We have good news to know that God is advancing his kingdom. Now, now although there's great news, and we're, I just told you all kind of great news, some of the bad news is Christianity in America is growing backwards. It's going backwards. Uh, God is doing awesome things all over the world, but in America, things are a bit bleak right now, according to what Fred Markert has said. Pew Research says this. Uh, they just came out with a, uh, they just came out and, t- and told us that a study, and the results of the study is that, that for the first time in American history, Less than 50% of the people in America claim to be Christian for the very first time. Historically, America has been the number one missionary sending country in the world. Unfortunately, since the year 2000, we've lost literally a third of our missionaries. Fred Market points out that in these preeminent uh, civilizations... Over the last 2,000 years, there, each one of them, there's a, a rise and a fall. And it's about a 250-year uh, cycle. And he said that basically after all of his studies, after all of his knowledge, all of his experience, uh, he feels that America is at the stage of the, in the civilization life cycle on the verge. And he says it, it's depressing. Yes, he used the word collapse. Um, He said that there's no society in 5,000 years that have ever come to the point that we are right now as a civilization without collapsing. He projects, he literally projects, according to all his charts, all his studies, all his statistics, that the collapse is imminent, could be now all the way to 2029. It gets better. Okay, don't turn off yet. All right, here we go. It gets better. But all that to say, there is good news, but there is some bad news. And for America, let me just say this, and for the American church, our only hope is Jesus. And we talk about revival as if it's going to be something down the road, something will happen at some point. You have to understand, revival at this point is not just a prayer request. It is imperative for the existence of our country the way it is. We need revival in America. And Fred, who is the guru of all this, okay, and he has studied all the civilizations, read all the books, all the rise and fall, he believes there's great hope for America. And let me quote you what he says. We will be the first to break the cycle. I believe our God can change the time and seasons according to Daniel 2. Our God can empower his church to fight these challenges and battle and win. I believe we will be the first in history to dodge this bullet and see the kingdom of God reestablished in our country and grow to reach the ends of the earth. I believe it with all of my heart. 
The Bible says that he does nothing, okay, without first telling his prophets. And I don't know about you, but Lisa and I have a regular, steady diet of prophetic words that come. People that we've trusted, people that we've seen. And I want you to understand the prophetic word by no less than 10 reputable people who walk in the prophetic are saying that God is not finished with America, that there is a great revival imminent for the American church. And we are believing for that. I believe that uh, you've heard it said that God chose the nation of Israel, but America is the only nation that chose God. Jeremiah 18, verse 7 and 8 gives us more hope. It says, if at any time I announce that a nation or kingdom is to be uprooted, torn down, and destroyed, and if that nation that I warn, if they repent of its evil, then I will relent and not inflict on the disaster I had planned. So there you go. All right. So what are we to do? Somebody screamed out in the first service, repent. Repent, brother. And that's right. We, repent. Well, we need to repent and we need to build his house. The series that we're in that pastor started a couple weeks ago is entitled Build His House. And we're using the passage in Matthew chapter 16, verses 15 and 19. Let me read those to you. Let me read this to you. He said to them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. He's saying, you are the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the, you're the coming king. You're here. We've been waiting for you. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. You are divine. You are the Messiah and you are divine. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, okay, small rock, remember? We, we studied that a couple weeks ago. And upon this rock, big rock, the rock, okay, Jesus, that confession that, that uh, Peter just made, you are Christ, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God, you're divine. Upon that rock, the Messiah, the divine one, upon that rock, he says, I will build my church. And he is, we know, the chief cornerstone, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So let me give you a summary of my introduction. Here it goes. God wins, Satan loses, and we get to play. God wins, and he's going to win. Satan's going to lose. It wouldn't be bad to be a loser. Just know you're going to lose. All this effort, you just know you're going to lose. And then we get to participate. God has asked us, okay, to be about building his church. He's the builder. We serve him and we work for him. So what I want to do is I want to give you, uh, I want to talk to you about three different ways to build his house. Three ways to build his house. The first one, we need to build with confidence. Build with confidence. The scripture says in Matthew 16, it says, and the gates of hell will not prevail. What that actually means, okay, it was, a, it was a term back in the day, okay? It basically means death. The gates of Hades means die. And so what Jesus was saying, even my death will not prevent the building of my church. That's confidence. He's like, hey, this thing, we got it going. You, I'm going to die and it's still going to go. That is some confidence. Everyone knowing athletics, okay, you know, 
you know that if you start a game and you're walking in doubt and fear, you're going to lose, right? If you doubt, if you've got fear, you're going to lose. So basically, I don't know how to say it any other way, but doubters are losers. I'm sorry, I'm not saying they're bad people. You just lose, okay? Doubters are losers, and those who walk in fear fail. But I want you to understand, God has not called us as a church to walk in doubt. He's not called us in the church to walk in fear. He's not called us a church to fail, okay? He's not called us to be losers. He's called us to win. He even says, thanks be to God who gives the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have victory. We have victory. Now, I understand there's an enemy. I understand the enemy wants to stop the church. There are two kingdoms, the kingdom of God and there's a kingdom of darkness. And there's in conflict. There's only one that's going to win and we know. But there is a a battle continually. And we see that the enemy, he comes like a thief and he comes to steal, kill and destroy. We see that he's like a roaring lion seeking to whom he may devour. I understand he's going to fight. He fights us. He attacks us. He'll use all kind of means to come against the church. He'll use anybody to talk and to in, people to influence. Um, uh, to, he'll, he'll influence the people to, to truly come against us, talk about us, and to persecute us. He'll use the government to take freedoms away. All this stuff Satan will do to try to stop the church. Satan's mission, there's no doubt, take the church down. That's what his mission is. But I want you to understand, although Satan's mission is to take the church down, he also wants to take you down. He wants to take your family down. He wants to take you down by depression. He wants to take you down by anxiety, fear, hopelessness, broken relationships. He will do whatever he can to stop you because you are the church. And so he's after you. He's after your family. He's after your freedom. He's after every aspect of your life. He wants to stop you. But we're not going to stay seated. We're not going to stay seated and just take it. We're going to stand up. We're going to fight. We're going to resist him. We're going to defend the faith. We're going to defend our family. We're going to defend our church. We are going to win. We're going to walk in victory. We're going to win. We're going to be victorious. That's what God's word says. That's the confidence that we have to have as we're building. I remember a few years ago that uh, I went to the doctor, check up, nothing major, don't worry about it, all right? And uh, went to the doctor and, and uh, did my numbers, and so I go home. And the assistant who, who does the calling, she went to our church, and she called me later that afternoon. Said, Pastor, Pastor, like something terrible. Like, I'm dying. I mean, that's, like, these, not, she's, you have full-blown diabetes, and the doctor wants you in right now to come get on medicine. And I'm like, wait, 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 hold on now, hold on. And there was something that rose up in me. There was a confidence that rose up in me. Now, it doesn't rise up with me. I'm struggling a little bit right now with my back, okay? Obviously, it didn't, okay? I'm still working on that one, okay? But on this one, there's something that rose up. There was a confidence that came. And I said, Angie, listen to me. I'm not coming in. Tell the doctor, no, you have to. I'm not coming in. And I said, I'll schedule an appointment in a week. I'll come back and I'll redo that test. And I'm telling you, I don't have diabetes. I'm just, it's not my assignment. I believe it's not my assignment. And so went to Lisa and I said, I just hung up and said, hey, just want you to know this is what the doctor said. I said, I'm believing I'm not receiving it. I'm not receiving it. I have confidence in this. God's word, this is not my assignment. She goes, I agree with you. And so she agreed with me. I don't know how you feel about sowing and reaping, but 
there's something about when we sow something sacrificially, it activates my faith. And so we sowed probably something in the church or some ministry, uh, some sacrificials, not to pay to play, not to pay to get healed. It's just to activate my faith. And so we said, Lord, in Jesus' name. So I went back, got the blood drawn again, uh, getting ready to leave. I said, Angie, call me with the good news. I mean, I was in faith. I had confidence. She calls me a few hours later, says, Pastor, you're right, got good news, don't have diabetes. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. That's the kind of confidence, if we can bottle that in every aspect of our life, that is what God desires for us. We see, we wrestle, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And we see in Ephesians chapter six, I'm gonna read just the, the first verse and I'm gonna skip to the 13th verse. I'll, and it's for the Passion Translations, which is a paraphrase of this passage that we know so well. It starts off by saying, stand victorious with the force of his explosive power flowing in and through you. I love that. Stand up victorious. And then it ends on verse 11. It says, because of this, you must wear all the armor that God provides. So you're protected as you, as you confront the slanderer for you are destined. I mean, we just need to stop right there and receive it. You are destined for all things and will rise victorious. Man, that's confidence that we're looking at. I see, I remember also remind you in 1 John chapter 3, it says the Son of God appeared for this reason, for this purpose, to destroy the works of Satan. So that's the confidence that we're looking at to build. Secondly, the second way we build, we build with authority. We build with confidence, we build with authority. We see in Matthew 16, it says, he says, I give you the keys to the kingdom. You have the keys. Keys mean you have authority. When you have a key around here, that means that Miss Donna gave you a key and you have authority, okay? If you have a key and Miss Donna did not, okay, give it to you, I would hide it, okay? I'd put it under her, her, her door and run, okay? And get off the security cameras because you'll be in trouble, all right? But keys always give us authority, uh, we've been given the keys to, uh, uh, to, of authority to build his house. He's called us to build his house. He's the builder. He, we do it for him. He does it through us. And we have the authority to do that. How, three different ways we have keys all right, for authority. The first one is the word of God gives us a key to authority. Through the word of God. I love Psalm 107 verse, verse 20. It says, I believe it's verse 10 actually. And uh, I must have misprint, but I could be wrong. Some of y'all are checking me right now. He sent his word and he healed them. He sent his word and he healed them. He sent his word, the Bible. He sent his word and what did he do? He healed them. Who needs healing today? Some type of physical, emotional, mental healing. His word brings forth healing and he delivered them from destruction. Who needs breakthrough? Who needs deliverance? Who needs the power of the enemy broken in their life? It happens through authority that God has given us through the word of God. Second key, blood, the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. Now, I understand a lot of churches don't talk about the blood of Jesus. We do, okay? Kind of gotten out of vogue. I understand that. But in our house, like my house, at, at house with my wife, it's in vogue. The blood of Jesus gets slung around all the time. I plead the blood of Jesus on you, and I plead the blood of Jesus on this house. I plead the blood of Jesus on our marriage. I plead the blood of Jesus on Miley, our dog. I mean, she is pleading the blood of Jesus because she understands the power in the blood. 
There's faith that rises up. You get the word of God, the blood of Jesus. Thirdly, the name of Jesus. Philippians 2.10, so that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. And those who are in heaven on earth and under the earth, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The name of Jesus. I'm reminded of when Sarah was about, my, she's my, my baby right here. She was about three years of age and we were at some friend's house. And as we were leaving their house, we were on their front lawn. And there were a few cars uh, right there on the curb. And Sarah was a very active child, okay? All the kids were running around, but we saw Sarah, and Sarah was the youngest, and she was running straight out, full, full throttle toward the road. And she was actually even going in between the cars so she couldn't be seen. At the very time she was running, there was a car that was speeding about 40 miles an hour in the residential coming right there. And there was going to be a meeting. And you could just see it. Lisa screamed. She didn't scream my name. She didn't scream Sarah's name. She screamed the name of Jesus. She said, Jesus! And I'm telling you, when she said the name of Jesus, there was a halting of my daughter. Like she couldn't take another step. It was like... Boom! And the power of God touched her, and she stopped right there, and the car went by, and her life was saved. The name of Jesus is powerful. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So we build with confidence. We build with authority. But also in this passage, we see we build with power. See, God never gives us an assignment, okay, without giving us the power. He won't give us an assignment without giving us the power. And so we, we see in this passage, he gives us the power. Verse We see in um, chapter 16, it says, For whatever you bind on earth, I give you the keys of the kingdom, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. There's something about, okay, the power and authority that God has given to us to build it. Many of, us are, many of us think it's a matter of praying more, and sometimes it is. But a lot of times it's, it's just more of a matter of claiming more, okay? He's already given it to us, and we need to claim it. We need to call it forth. You know, there, binding and loosing is a, a regular part of my life. You know, I will bind demons, okay, and I will loose angels. We'll loose angels, warring angels, guardian angels, ministering angels. You can do this. You can bind anxiety. You can bind fear. And you can, because it's not of the Lord, we understand that. But you can loose his peace, the peace that passes all understanding. You can bind infirmity. And, and you can loose healing in your life. By Jesus' stripes, we are healed. You can bind ungodly thoughts okay and you can lose healthy godly thoughts because we have the mind of Christ and we're reminded that we can take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ so whatever you bind on earth bind things on earth it will be bound in heaven whatever you loose on earth loose things on earth and it'll be loosed in heaven I want to close today by giving you two spiritual power tools that are required to build two spiritual power tools that are required to faith is the first one faith passage you have faith in mustard you can move a mountain well I obviously don't have that have you ever felt that way it's like could you insult me even more not a watermelon seed faith of a mustard seed okay and uh, obviously have you ever felt that way well let me encourage you, you because how do you how, how do you get faith how do, it's very simple 
Faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. So you turn it, turn it backwards. We hear the word. When we hear the word, faith rises up. The word, when we pray the word, we hear the word, the word becomes a part of us. That's when the faith rises up in us. The second spiritual power tool that's required as we're building the house of God is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. To be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. An old Baptist preacher, his name is Peter Lord. Uh, He's a Baptist preacher that ended up getting filled with the Holy Spirit radically. And he likened it, okay, his experience to, he basically said, you know, my, my mother-in-law lived with us for three years until I welcomed her. <laughs> so many of us, we're believers, we're Christians. You know you're saved. You're watching today, you know you're saved. But my question is, have you welcomed the Holy Spirit in your life? You're saved, you have the Holy Spirit, but have you welcomed his power? Have you welcomed his gift? Have you welcomed him? I know it's not so much we get more of the Holy Spirit. It really is more that he gets more of us. We want everything that you have, Holy Spirit, and we want you to have everything that we are. I, um, I have a new favorite show. And uh, it's called Alone. Any of y'all watch Alone? Okay. Thank you, all three of us. Hey, it's rough right now on TV. I don't know about y'all. So it's, they drop 10 people, men and women, off, survivalists, okay? And this one, I just started uh, kind of halfway through, and they dropped them in Alaska. And you have 100 days to live by yourself alone. And you have a few, like, primitive tools, and that's it. And you see these people, some of these guys, I mean, they're using hand tools and, and, and primi- these primitive tools. And they're building, you have to have some kind of shelter. There's nothing there. And so they're building like a log cabin for one, like a pump tent, Leo, like a pump tent with logs. It's amazing. I'm like, what the heck? One guy built a boat. I, I still don't know how he built the boat. And I was thinking, man, how much better would it be? If they had some power tools, a chainsaw, a power drill, you know, a nail gun. Do you know what they could build? It's amazing. To me, our Holy Spirit experience is a lot like that. We can use primitive tools. We can get by without the power. Okay. But why? When he says he will give us and do us with power from on high, why don't we want to grab a hold of everything that God has for us? I remember my sophomore year in college is when I'd been saved. I'd gotten right with God multiple times, but I got right with the Lord. But on that retreat, my sophomore year in college, I'd found out that you could have more. And I wanted more. And God touched me. And he filled me with his presence. He touched me and filled me with his Holy Spirit. And I've never been the same since. I want to pray with you in just a minute. I'm going to pray for everybody who wants a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit and power. But I want to end by saying this. There is good news. 
God's kingdom is advancing. His church is growing. His church is building. And even here in America, I know things might be bleak is what Fred Markert says, but we believe that there is a revival on the way. I understand in your life, things might be tough. You might be really, really struggling. And things in your life just might be DOA, dead on arrival, but I want you to know Jesus is the one who raises the dead. Man, we've got good news. He's called us to victory. He's called us to win. He's called us to be more than conquerors. Will you stand up with me?